share with you all, get the slideshow up there, we're going to be camping out in John chapter 15, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, that is where we will be today. But before we get into John chapter 15, I need to discuss with us something that I know is near and dear to, to many of you. Not so dear and dear to me anymore, but I know it is to many of you, and, and it's the concept of the hair dryer. Yeah, those were the days, believe me. This is our hair dryer. Some people in the family use it more than others. But if you think about it, what's the purpose of a hair dryer? Dry hair, exactly. And this one in particular looks like it was made by Remington. And so Remington designed this hair dryer to dry hair. And is the hair dryer really of any use? Other than drying hair. No, I mean, other than drying hair, no, not really. I mean, it could, you know, somebody misbehaves, you can whack them pretty good and maybe use it as a, uh, as a weapon. But for the most part, it is designed to dry hair. Now then, is it clearly right now is not working? So I don't, I don't know. What do I need to do with this? Plug it in, right. Well, you know, I just happen to have here an extension cord. So we will plug this hair dryer, assuming it fits, into the extension cord, and, ah, the illustration continues. Uh, it works, right? So the hair dryer is working as it was designed to work, okay? Whew, that's nice. Okay, how do we turn it off? There we go. Now then, it works because it was what? Plugged in. For purposes of today, when you think of plugged in, I want you to think of the word abide. Okay, the hair dryer works because it abides in what? The power source. So let's just, let's just see how well it does. Okay, so for purposes of this, abiding, abiding, not abiding. Abiding, not abiding. Abiding. Ah, okay. Now, I got to ask you this, though, and this is a, for purposes of the question, what is this? Because a diffuser. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well. We'll figure that out later. That'll be next week's lesson. The concept there, and it won't be lost on you, hopefully, is that to abide means to plug in. All right? And so that leads us into today's lesson, which is in John chapter 15. But before we get there, let's do a little background because this truly is a rich, rich chapter of the Bible and one that, that to fully appreciate, I think we need to, to have a good idea of what the background is on that. So as you know, you've been studying the book of John and where we find this is, is that they have been in the upper room, right? Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room and he does what first? He first uh, washes their feet, right? So, I mean, they learned the, the concept of servant leadership. What else happens in the other upper room? One, he tells one of the disciples, Judas, that he's going to betray him. So a big deal has happened in that sense, that he's going to be betrayed, literally betrayed by one of his disciples. Jesus introduces the concept of communion, uh, the covenant of the blood, a new commandment that he'll love one another. He even introduces the concept that Peter is going to deny him. A lot is happening that builds up to this chapter 15. He even says, 
uh, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. So a lot of deep, significant spiritual issues are prefacing what we're going to be discussing in, in this particular chapter. So, at the end of, of what happens in the upper room, Jesus says what? He says, rise, let's get up and go. So the disciples may very well be scratching their heads about what all he's been discussing with them. And he rises up and he says, let's go. And this is what he says. And so, I'm just going to read John chapter 15. Because, you know what? The word never returns void. And we're here to study the Bible. So, if you have yours, uh, follow along with me. So, with that preface, with that buildup, here's what Jesus says to his 11 remaining disciples. I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Think gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. He to emphasize that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this my Father is, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will also abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may, my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go out and bear fruit, and that, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you, so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you just as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I have said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had come to and had spoken to them, they wouldn't... Uh, not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If you had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father, but the word that was written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I have sent to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me and you will be my witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, what are some things we pick up from that? One is the concept of abiding. How many, he uses that word a lot, right? What's another word you hear a lot? Fruit. So think about that, abiding, fruit. 
love, friendship. We're all going to cover those things today. So that gives you hopefully some context of what he's doing. Now, as they leave the upper room, some commentaries I've looked up said that there are probably two possibilities. One is that they walk, as he and the disciples walk by the temple gates, and, a, and a histor- history tells us that the temple gate has a vine which represented Israel from the Old Testament. And so Jesus is telling them, look, I am the true vine. That Israel is not the true vine. I am the true vine. All of God's commandments, all of God's love, everything is made real, made permanent through me. Okay? Um, Go back to slide one. There you go. The other possibility is that they are going and they're walking along the outside of Jerusalem and they pass some vineyards. Now, vineyards were very common back then. In fact, you know, perhaps some of the disciples had spent their summers working in a vineyard. So the concept of a vineyard was very common to them. And so as Jesus is walking by this vineyard, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. And so it kind of gives you contextually a picture of what Jesus and the disciples were doing while he is, while he is giving them this teaching. Okay, so it was a concept that, of the vineyard, of the vine, that they were very familiar with. So, here are the things that I want to point out as we go through this, this passage. One is, what are you abi- abiding in? What vine are you abiding in? So, as we look at that, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, abide in me. Now, if you wanted to study vineyards, the vine, if you think about it, is really the trunk. Okay, it's like, but you don't call them grape trees, do we? We call them grape vines. And so the vine is the trunk, and the branches are what come off the trunk, and that's what produces the fruit, right? The fruit comes from the branches. And Jesus is saying, He is the vine, you are the branches. Now, here we know that we've clearly got abiding branches and non abiding branches, right? Now, think about this what has just happened in the upper room? among the branches that Jesus has been, uh, his followers. One branch would have been Judas, right? So I I was studying this, I tell you, it is is so real that you have to read this in light of of the betrayal of Judas. Here Judas had been with Jesus for three years. I mean, he had seen all the miracles. He had attended all the events. He was there when they fed the 5,000. I mean, Judas experienced everything that the other disciples Saw, right? I mean, he very likely had a lot of one-on-one time with the Savior. I mean, Jesus wanted, loved Judas. I mean, if Jesus from the cross can say, forgive them for they know not what they do about the Roman soldiers that crucified him, surely we know that he must have loved Judas. And so when Jesus is telling us that you need to abide in me, that that the branches that don't bear fruit are thrown away, one of the branches that was very dear to him has, has betrayed him. You follow me? So we have to read this in context of the fact that Judas, even though he did all the right things, attended all the right events, you know, knew probably everything he needed to know from Scripture, did Judas abide in Jesus? No. Judas did not abide in Jesus, and that's part of the context that we have to read this from. He had all the right stuff, he did all the right activities, but he did not abide in Jesus. And so, go to the next slide. So to abide, by definition, means, and let's just read through this, to remain, 
In reference to place, it means to tarry or to, to not depart, to continue to be present. Uh, in reference to time, to continue to be with, to not perish, to last, endure, to survive, live. E, to not become, um, to remain as one, to wait for another. I like the concept of plugging in. So if you abide with something, and clearly Jesus is, is pointing out the importance of this, you are staying closely connected to that person. Judas did not abide with Jesus. Jesus is instructing us that we do need to abide with him. So the question then is, it's easy to pick on Judas, right? Well, what about us? What are, what are we abiding in? What are you abiding in? Are you abiding in Christ? Or are you abiding perhaps in yourself? Because we're all abiding in something. Okay, We're all plugged into something. Are we plugged into Christ or are we plugged into other things? Plugged into popularity, your looks, your job, activities, video games, sports, friends, church activities. I mean, what are you plugged into? What are you abiding in that, again, may on the surface appear to be very good things, but they may not be Christ, okay? What are you abiding in? Is it knowledge of theology? Is it ministry? What is it for you? What we would call false vines might you be abiding in? What false vines may I be abiding in, abiding in from time to time? Is it work? Where do, we, where do we get our value? Where do we get our, 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 our feeling of worth? Because if, if we're trying to do anything outside of Christ, we know from this that we can do nothing. We cannot produce good fruit on our own. So that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Is, is what are we abiding in? So the key here is to abide in Christ. He wants us there in order to produce fruit. Now then, go to the next slide. Pruning. There's a, you don't use that word every often. The Father will prune you in order that you will bear more fruit. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's take a look at that. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So clearly abiding is important in this passage. Bearing fruit is important as well, right? In fact, God takes it so, he takes it so seriously that if you're even abiding in Christ, he's going to prune you so that you bear more fruit. And we'll talk in a moment about why that's so important. So pruning, get this. Pruning is to reduce or eliminate superfluous matter for more fruitful growth. I'm going to read that again. Pruning is the concept of reducing or eliminating superfluous matter in order that more fruitful growth may occur. So the question there for us is, what's superfluous in our life? What are you involved in? What's taken away from your abiding in Christ that's just frankly superfluous? I like that word, superfluous. Anyway, it's pronounced different than it's spelled. But anyway, so you got, we got to ask ourselves that. You know, dear Lord, show, help me to examine myself. What's superfluous in my life that keeps me from abiding in, in the, the Savior? One thing I've always said is, is I'd rather learn a lesson than be taught a lesson. Pruning sounds a lot like being taught a lesson by God. And so I think I would rather be teachable at the beginning and start identifying areas in my life that are superfluous so that when the pruning takes place, it's maybe not so painful. Because I tell you, I've experienced pruning in my life. It's scriptural, and very often it's painful. Because the Lord has known that he needed to teach me lessons in order to hopefully make me 
more Christ-like. And James, first chapter of James talks about this. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. One of my favorite chapters uh, in the Bible uh, is Hebrews chapter 12. And, and Hebrews chapter 12 Chapter 12 talks about the discipline of the Lord. And so think of pruning as in discipline. I would even put it in the context of a coach. In other words, why do coaches push us so hard if you're in athletics? So that you'll perform better, right? So that you might reach your full potential. So the coach will discipline you if they think you're not producing or are achieving what your potential could be. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son uh, is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in what you have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, you have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not also all the more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, it's one of my wife's favorite verses, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. For the moment all disciplines, all pruning, seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So here, let's... let's Get this concept. Let's kind of bring us up to date. So Jesus is saying, look, I am the true vine. I'm the true power. Anything else is, is false. You have got to abide in me. You, in order to bear godly fruit, if you're not abiding in me, you can do nothing. Doesn't mean you can do something. He says you can do nothing. You cannot in your own power produce godly fruit without abiding in me. And if you're going to abide in me, then you're going to produce godly fruit. But even if you're producing godly fruit, God loves you too much to leave you where you are. He is going to prune you. He is going to discipline you. He is going to push you a little harder so that you, as you abide in Christ, can produce more fruit. And if you're not abiding in Christ, you're not even in the game. You're not even producing fruit. You're, you're over here in the Judas crowd who may think they're doing the, the, the right thing until the opportunity comes along and they abandon Christ. So you've got to abide in Christ and, and recognize when you are abiding in Christ, you are going to produce good fruit, but by golly, God loves you too much to leave you where you are and He's going to discipline you just like a coach or just like a parent doesn't want to see you stay immature, they want to see you grow. It doesn't stop when you're, you're at your age, believe me. I think it gets really serious in the 40s. That's my opinion. So, let's look at this. What's the next slide? So, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. First, next point is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? So, let's jump on to that. Show the next slide. Is it bad fruit or good fruit? So, the, if you can see the picture there on the left, that's, do those look like tasty grapes to you? No, that's bad fruit. That's fruit that's not abiding in Christ. And so you in your life, you're either, let's face it, we're all, everybody in this room is producing fruit, okay? We're all, that's just a truth. We're all producing fruit, 
So is the fruit you're producing good fruit or bad fruit? Well, let's look at what bad fruit is first of all. And we get some scriptural guidance on that. Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you need to put those away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have to put off the old self and its practices, and you need to put on the new self. Galatians 5 gives us a little more idea. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, the bad fruit, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, infamy, uh, I'm sorry, envy, can't say that. Okay, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of the light. I warn you, and I warned you before, for those who do such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're not abiding in Christ, you're going to produce bad fruit, and you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It's just that simple. So we need to examine our lives and say, man, where is there evidence of bad fruit in my life? I think that's one of your questions. You're going to have to ask yourself, in fact, we all need to ask ourselves, where is there evidence of bad fruit in my life? And take that seriously. Do you really want to go through life being one who does all the right things, who espouses all the right beliefs, and yet the fruit of their life is all bad? Or, let's look at Galatians 5, and we learn what good fruit is. It says, the fruit of the Spirit, the good fruit of those who abide in Christ, is love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, there again, that's a good question for us. Is there evidence of that fruit in your life? Are you becoming more loving? Is joyfulness how somebody would describe you? Love, joy, peace. Are you at peace? Are you anxious? Do you, do you suffer from anxiety? Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience. Are you a patient person? Is there fruit of patience? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I love that word, kindness. You know, our culture has lost the concept of, are you kind? Goodness. Are you good? Are you just good? Can people rely on you to do the right things? Just be a good person? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Are you faithful to your, to, your, to your God? Are you faithful to your family? Are you faithful to your friends? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Are you gentle? And then self-control. So if you're abiding in Christ and you're producing these fruits of the Spirit, even if they're meager, God loves you too much not to say, man, I want to, see, I want to see more of that. I want to see that fruit just be abundant in your life. So it's good fruit versus bad fruit. Show the next slide. So, you know, what fruit are you bearing? Right? You know, anyway, choose, your, choose which fruit you're bearing. Now, here is a critical critical point that we've got to, to take. Can I, can I produce good fruit? Answer me. Can, can I, can Mark Whitaker produce good fruit? 
can, well, can you, can you on your own produce good fruit? No. In fact, Jesus says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and I tell you, I, God, I wish I'd have learned this so much sooner. I have expended so much energy in my life trying to be disciplined, trying to do the right thing, trying to break bad habits, trying to, with all my energy, to produce good fruit. Can I do that? No. I am running counter to a scriptural truth spoken by Jesus himself. He says, Mark, you cannot produce good fruit on your own. Relax. Abide in me, and there will be the fruit. Okay? So for you to produce good fruit, and it needs to be there, we need to be serious about producing good fruit, can you do it apart from abiding in Christ? So what should be our motivation? So what, here's the concept. Should our, be, our focus be on producing good fruit or should our focus be on abiding in Christ? It's always about Jesus. It always comes back to abiding in Christ. If you take away anything from this, it's always about abiding in Christ. If you see bad fruit in your life, if you see you know, minimal amounts of good fruit, just say, forget the fruit, go abide in Christ. Because if you are abiding in Christ, man, the fruit will come. Go to the next slide. I mean, look at those grapes. Those look like good grapes. Man, I mean, you know, we love grapes in our family. You can tell when the, there's a good grape and a bad grape. You know, the grapes, you know, the branch did not have to try to produce those good, those berries, those, those grapes. It's abiding in the vine, and it, through the vine it gets its nutrients, it gets its water, it gets its supply. It's the vine that produces the fruit. You simply abide in Christ and God will bear the fruit through you. Stay near Christ, rest in Him, abide in Him, and you will naturally be fruitful. I mean, honestly, I, could, I should probably sit down now because it, it doesn't get any more clear than that. I mean, Jesus, is, He is serious about abiding. He is serious about fruit. And the only way you bear good fruit in life is by abiding in Him. The pressure is off. It all comes, it, you know, honestly, the pressure is on Jesus, and he did it for us. He's already done the work. Mark Whitaker doesn't have to do it. Do I need to remember that? I need to remember that tomorrow. I need to remember this afternoon. You need to remember that. It's all about Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. Because he even says in John 15, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments. Okay. Do we focus on keeping commandments? Is keeping commandments of Jesus a good idea? Yeah, it's a good idea. Do we focus on, do we focus on the commandment to keep or do we focus on Jesus? Jesus, exactly. If you're abiding in Christ, you will keep the commandments. Man, we get that so backwards, do we not? We continue to get that backwards. We get so focused on not sinning. Oh, dear Lord, I've got to stop sinning. I've got to, stop, I've got to manage this sin in my life. I've got to stop the sinning. I've got to stop the... Is sin bad? Yeah, sin's bad. Jesus died because of it. Wants us forgiven for our sins. But if I keep focusing on sin, I'm not fixing it. That's why I've got to focus on Jesus. It, 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 just, it just keeps coming back to Jesus. If I keep focusing on Jesus and he says... Man, you focus on me and the kingdom of God will come. Then all of a sudden, man, that sin, that bad fruit just doesn't look so appetizing. It just doesn't. So 
you just got to own that. Got to own that. Obedience to God is the fruit of abiding, not the act of abiding. Obedience to God is the fruit of abiding. It's not the act of abiding. Okay, point three. Go to the next slide. Why does Christ tell us these things? How we, oh gosh, we got to hurry. Okay, how does Christ tell us these things? Well, one, why is he telling us this? He says, one, in verse eight, so that the Father is glorified. Is it so that we're glorified? So, the man, Mark, you did a nice job this morning. Maybe, maybe not. Or that you did a good job in anything? Is it, is it about us? No, we, there are three words that are important. Get over yourself. You can honor, just get over yourself. It is not about you, okay? It is all about bringing glory to God. If there's good fruit in your life, it is still not about you. It's about glorifying God. So the first thing, that, the reason Christ tells us that is it's by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and are proven to be my disciples. They will know you are my disciples by your love. Christ's second reason God wants us to be joyful. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis is that joyfulness is the serious business of heaven. Golly, man, I tell you what. I think the, I think the, 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 the people were so drawn to Jesus because they saw something different in him. He was just so joyful. You got so many sour-mouthed you know, Christians out there. It looked like they were weaned on a dill pickle. I've always wanted to say that. We know, you'll get that in a minute. Um, but you know what I'm saying is, man, if the world saw the joy of Christ in us, it'd just be going, really, what are you smoking? Because I want it. Honestly. Because that, the, the world is starving for authentic joy. It is starving for it. It is doing ridiculous stuff just to try to get a smidgen of the joy that we have available to us. How? By abiding in Jesus. Third reason that Jesus tells us this is that if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, that in my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I, I tell you, Again, with the backdrop of what Judas did and how he left Jesus, you can just see that resonating through him. That He says, I love this verse. Greater love has no one. Greater love has no one than this. Then you lay down your life for your friends. And then Jesus right after it says, you're my friends. And little did they really understand, he's about to lay down his life for them. I mean, how beautiful is that? Man, that is beautiful. How, how can you lay down your life for your friends? What does that look like? I love that. And then, you know, this concept about if the world hates you, it hates me. The only thing I'm going to touch on that is, look, if you're out there bearing the, the good fruit of God, you know, they didn't, hate, they didn't like Jesus, they're not going to like you. So eh, we just need to get, rid of, get, get over that and move on, right? So don't, don't expect the world to somehow fall in love with you when you're out there saying, I'm abiding in Christ and I'm willing to love you to the death. They don't get that because they can't get that. They're, they're abiding in the false vines. They're abiding in things that are not true. Next slide. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Go back to that. No, that's what we hit on. Okay. We will be seen as Christ's disciples by our fruit. Our good fruit glorifies God. Christ wants us joyful and you don't keep his commandments in order to abide 
but because you are abiding, you end up keeping His commandments. If we abide, we will love one another as Christ loved us. It all comes back to Christ, but then it certainly comes back to love as well. So how do we do this? How do we abide in Christ? How do we abide in Christ? Well, I mean, do you hang out with people you love? Yeah, you do. I mean, why are your friends your friends? Because you love them. You like them. You know, you want to be around people you love. We tend to always try to make a program out of something. You know, that if I read a chapter of my Bible a day, that that makes me, maybe I'm abiding in Christ. Is it important to read your Bible? Yes. You hide your words in my heart, and I will not sin against God. I mean, it is important to read your Bible. That's certainly a step you can take to abiding in Christ. Prayer, constant, living in an attitude of prayer. I've always, you know, I, I thought the other day that, you know, prayer ought to be a part of your life. I thought life ought to be a part of prayer. You really stop and think about it. Jesus says pray continuously, and we go, ooh, I don't, I don't get that. How do I kneel down and continue? Man, our life ought to come out of, our, our life ought to come out of prayer, not prayer come out of life. That's how clearly we should be abiding in Christ. Man, we, need to, we just need to fall in love with Jesus and what he has done for us and what he offers for us. Because when we abide in him and we really understand that this, this is the man, this is the guy, he holds the universe in its, together, and we get to abide in that, what's that going to look like? What, what lives might we live if we did that? What would your life look like tomorrow if you started doing that today? What would my life look like? So, so some really good things to consider as we look at, at this passage. So, with that, I want to leave you a little time for discussion. Um, abide in Christ. Bear fruit by abiding in Christ. Accept God's discipline. Don't, I mean, man, I'm telling you, the Lord has taught me that there was a period of time in my life where I was not accepting his pruning. I was not accepting his discipline. And, and, and so accept the discipline of God so that you may bear more fruit. Evidence that love, evidence that abiding by being loving to each other. Let me close this in prayer, and then you can go through these questions. Dear Lord, thank you for all you have given us. Thank you for John chapter 15. Thank you that you are the true vine, that we are branches, that we, we can abide in you. And in fact, we were designed, absolutely designed to abide in you. And that when we abide in you, it is by that that you will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Lord, we love you and we dedicate you and we just absolutely give you glory. In your name we pray, amen. All right.